millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Dr. Phyllis Chesler. Dr. Phyllis is an emerita professor of psychology and women's studies at City University of New York. She is a pioneer of second wave feminism, a best-selling author, a retired psychotherapist, and an expert courtroom witness. Dr. Phyllis is the author of 20 books, including the landmark feminist classic Women and Madness, and her 2018 memoir, A Politically Incorrect Feminist. Let's hear what she has to say about Valerie Solanas and the feminist movement in the 60s and 70s. Dr. Phyllis, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure to be with you. Now, I'd love to start off by... Uh, asking you some questions about how you got involved in the women's movement of the 60s and 70s. At the time, it was a very easy thing to do because, and I go back to 1967, and suddenly women were everything that mattered. We suddenly were visible. We were not being acted upon. We were the actors. And all of the college graduate school educations in which we mainly read great men, and they were great works by great men, very little by great women, we began demanding what we now call civil rights, human rights. Women's rights are human rights. 
Mm. And we were everywhere, and it was so easy. It was like Nora in Ibsen's dollhouse. All at once, we left that domestic space and found ourselves by finding each other. We had an opening in history, which has not happened again since. And whatever we did, whatever we marched, demonstrated, demanded, did sit-ins for, did academic papers about, it was so newsworthy. We were just in the headlines all the time. So many of us deluded fools thought, well, we got this and we're going to have everything in a decade, maybe two (laughs) decades at most. As we know, as we know, we did not manage, we, we exposed and documented, but we haven't abolished rape or sexual harassment or incest or domestic violence or prostitution, trafficking, pornography. We now have even new woes uh, and challenges, even getting abortion legalized at the federal level was very easy. We didn't have to fight for it. The American suffragists fought for 100 years to get the vote. We had abortion rights in about three years, and we didn't fight hard for it. Wow. We, what an right? incredible so, time. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that you may have missed it. It has not happened again, but it may because history is like that. So all we won, which is important, was the struggle, not the victory. So during the time uh, that you wrote Women and Madness, how did you perceive women were being unjustly labeled, uh, particularly when it came to mental illness? Well, I'm the one that threw away her speech in 1970 at the American Psychological Association annual meeting and demanded reparations of only $1 million for all the women who had been stigmatized diagnostically, who had been mistreated, uh, who had been seduced by their psychiatrists or psychologists. And... um, I had a vision, I used the words reparations purposely because I wanted to join us to other liberation movements at that time. Now, we never got the money. I never went back. I said I wouldn't go back till we did. But other very, very good feminist psychologists did go back. So what I did in my pioneering book, Women in Madness, which was a privilege to write and In another century, I would never have had the audience and the support that I had at that moment in history. And I exposed all of the sexist and racist and homophobic, blah, 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 biases built in not just to psychotherapy, but to all of Western civilization and, if you will, global civilization. And I called for a new kind of psychology of women, one that perhaps is not yet with us. I'll give you an example why. Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively recently, somebody created, created an audio book of women in madness. 
And she calls and said, oh, my God, how relevant it is, how timely. How did you know all this? I said, oh, this is very depressing. She goes, what do you mean? I'm giving you a great compliment. And I said, I had thought by now, more than 50 years later, that women would have evolved a bit further. And of course, saying that is is a cheap shot, because if women are being refused educations and are being unemerged and are in war zones and are being gang raped in war zones and trafficked, really, how can our psychology have evolved? So, so yeah, it's it, 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 I'm I'm sitting with you metaphorically it's it's it feels bleak (laughs) well no no no. we don't know to inherit the struggle is crucial it's everything when I was a teenager when I was in my 20s I had no idea that women had ever fought back to their rights had ever fought for other women's rights uh had ever bonded in a sisterly fashion as members of a class or as a caste, C-A-S-T-E. And uh, it was the fact that it turns out, because I wrote a book called Woman's Inhumanity to Woman uh, years later, that like men, women are as close to the apes as to the angels, and that we've internalized sexism and also are set up to compete with and be very aggressive towards other women, which makes creating a credit union, not to mention a revolution, a challenge, a real challenge. So no, things are not, things are bleak in terms of Ukraine. Things are bleak in terms of the Taliban in Afghanistan. And I've been involved in rescuing women from Afghanistan in this last year. But we did that. We, a group, a team, and myself, got hundreds of women out. So would this have been possible in the 1950s or 1960s? Probably not. So we have a language now. We have knowledge. We have literature. But alas, the colleges and graduate schools are not teaching radical feminist work. It's being disappeared. That's a problem. And tell me more about uh, New York City at the time. Uh, I'd have to recommend that you read A Politically Incorrect Feminist because I really recreate it. And there were three uh, very mighty uh, streams or rivers that made up this wave, um, this oceanic wave. One was, of course, left-oriented radical activism in the streets and thinking out of the box. That's the sit-ins and the marches and the uh, bad dude behaviors. Then there was fighting for civil rights, uh, lawsuits, desegregating the want ad ads in the New York Times and elsewhere, uh, fighting very hard for things that we almost don't yet have, as in prosecuting rape. Not so much, you know, rape kits are lost, they're found 
discarded, a nightmare. But then the third and usually very underestimated part of this movement was the transformation within each profession and each discipline by feminists who entered medicine or science or the arts or every possible discipline and uh, created some change there. So that was us. And we were like rock stars at the moment to each other. Mm. Uh, How did this feminist movement intersect in a way, with with Andy Warhol and what was going on at at his famous studio, The Factory? Well, my question to you was, um, there are women right now sitting in jails coast to coast in America because they finally saved their own lives by killing their batterers or their traffickers in Mm self-defense. There they sit. And yet now, 55 years, pretty much, more or less, after Valerie Solanas shot Andy Warhol, there's a growing interest in icons like Eileen Warnos, who my last book, Requiem for a Female Serial Killer, is all about. So we have in uh, the media, in Hollywood rather, we have Selmer and Louise, and we have female assassins, and then we have a few real attempted assassinations or serial killings by a girl, and we're mesmerized by it. And um, I, I, I think at some level, <clears throat> these cra- two crazy women, they were nuts, uh, are also armed Amazon figures. And they remind us not just of Joan of Arc, but of warrior goddess figures. But they themselves are non-political actors. They work alone, so to speak. They're folk heroes like Billy the Kid or Jesse James. They trust no one. They work with no one. They're very literal. They're very concrete. This is Solanus and Warnos. And Brianne Foz did a very good biography of Valerie Solanus. And I highly recommend it. I wrote an interesting short story, a fiction story, about Valerie Solanus, which begins, Valerie was on a military mission. She moved like a shot. Nothing slowed her down. She had only one thing to say, and she'd say it with a gun. So, I mean, she, at the time, uh, two feminists, T. Grace Atkinson and Flo Kennedy, rushed to her side because they thought that it, even though she may not be a feminist, that the action could be perceived or understood in feminist terms, especially if you read her manifesto, the scum manifesto, mm. which is brilliant, brilliant and satiric and nuts, all of the above. And I recommend that. So in, in it, I mean, Solanus is a riot. She, she calls the National Organization for Women, you know, a ladies' luncheon club, you know, who just talks. <laughs> she has a point. She has a point. I mean, how are we going to get revolutionary change if no one's afraid of us? I mean, gay men knew to create um, riots and confrontations in their fights 
for not just gay rights, but for HIV to be combated. We don't present that kind of threat, even now. Solanus and Eileen Warnos didn't do this kind of thing. They, from their lives of, they had both worked as prostitutes. They uh, had both been pregnant when teenagers and of course forced to give the child away. Um, they were both physically and sexually abused in childhood. Uh, Solanus became a panhandler and a prostitute. So imagine somebody mainstream like Betty Friedan looking at T. Grace and Flo's involvement with Solanus. No, no, that's a very bad image uh, mm. for this movement to adopt. And in fact, when I was trying um, to sell the possibility of a manuscript about Eileen Warnos in the 90s, I had such interesting reactions, mainly from women editors at the time. They said, um, well, Phyllis, you're not suggesting that Warnos is, is a feminist role model, are you? Um, she's not that nice. I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, would you say can't write about Jack the Ripper because he's not a role model. <laughs> right. So we have, we even have double and triple standards sure. for women, women who act. So after the assassination attempt uh, on Warhol, Solanus uh, claims that Warhol had too much control over her life, right? This is what she tells uh, the authorities. Yes. Um, perhaps, you know, it, it is a result of her mental illness or, or because she felt like Warhol had promised uh, something that he later failed to uh, keep, prom you know, broken promises. Uh, he had said he would produce her play. Um, but while labor seemed to be to go unpaid for many of those involved in the factory and, and for Solanus, who, who had unknowingly signed away her rights to um, her manuscript, I, I mean, do you think this is a reflection of of how female the female workforce was treated at the time? Was she just reacting to what was happening in a larger scope? Well, yes, but she may not have known that, which is not uh -huh. relevant. Because if you're a writer, for example, you get really badly mistreated, whether you're a man, man or a woman, but. If you're a woman and a feminist, oh, forget about it, in terms of publishing hands. So at that time, although at that time, publishing was very generous and very open to the, to the dancing dog phenomenon of feminist writing. And we wrote some very important world-changing books, and they published them. But at the time, Solanus, it was Maurice Isherodius who she wanted to kill of Olympia Press. And um, Valerie, I think, decided, yeah, he did trick her. And he bought her off cheaply for $500. And she understood that not just for the scum manifesto, but for everything and anything that she might write in the future. And Warhol was going to produce or film her play with the unlovely title, Up Your Ass. <laughs> and then he changed his mind and he held on to it. And she was totally silenced and controlled by these two men. She couldn't find Gerodius, so she found Warhol and some other guy, Mario somebody. And she, when you're 
I don't want to diagnose her from afar. I, I never met her myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I say she's literal and concrete, it's about her, only about her. And he stole from her. It's not that she was saying all women's work has been, they've refused to publish it. They've paid too little money for it. And I'm acting on their behalf. She was only for herself. And um, she acted and she acted with violence, not with words. And she was so good with words. Mm. So uh, very good with words. But my question is, why do you think there's a growing appreciation or fascination or even crushes that so many women now, uh, feminists and lesbians and activists have with women on the screen or in history who've committed violence. What do you think that's telling us? Well, I think that, I mean, this is just me speaking personally. I think that the the interest comes in reframing the narrative um, and understanding them, uh, you know, because history for, you know, for so long has been written from a male perspective. And I and I think it's it's, you know, when we revisit these cases and these people, it's it's trying to understand it from our female perspective. I think you're right. Uh, But then they're also doing something that we may only dare to dream about doing. Most women, feminists, radicals, activists, are not about to um, take up guns, but maybe in our dreams or in our unconsciousness, we think she did it to me. And um, so she'll pay the price. She'll die for me because indeed... So Solanus died in San Francisco in great poverty and misery and didn't write again. And Warnos was executed finally on death row in, in Florida and did not get a fair trial. But um, And both of them did view the feminist do-gooders with suspicion, contempt, and perhaps even hatred. So... Um, I I think, yes, they are actually, it's not the female perspective, only that they're trying to shatter all the dominating narratives and in their way, silence them, oppose them. Right. And um, I I mean, Warnos, who I at first did not think was a serial killer, because I think she did kill in self-defense the first time. Um, But thereafter, it was something else. And I write about it in Requiem. But they both got guns and they got even and they punched up, so to speak. Warhol was like a big shot and she shot him. And Warnos took down Johns who towered over her in height and who outweighed her. And some of them had been cops. So this is revolutionary, iconically, whether it's the road to the future of uh, 
ending female poverty or ending female sex slavery is another question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, a- after she, uh, Valerie gives herself up to the authorities, she's taken to a psychiatric facility and evaluated, um, and she's later diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Um, what, yeah. what, at, at the time, what would the process have been like for her to be um, entered into this facility and, and what kind of care or h- how would that diagnosis have been given? Well, it wouldn't help her to be di- – if it was true, if the, di- if the diagnosis is accurate, uh, and a lot of women have been uh, wrongfully diagnosed and shamefully treated and stigmatized by the diagnosis, But in her case, something bad was going on, and whether it was genetic, chemical, biochemical, or also a result of her terrible life, who can say, they would have stashed her away, and they would have medicated her in a way that uh, turned her into something of a zombie. I mean, there are women, feminist friends who had to finally take certain psychiatric medication for depression and felt that it stole their souls. So nobody really wants to take this stuff. Although now there's been a revolution in biological psychiatry and things might be better. So what would have happened to Valerie? They would have stashed her. Had she been a man, they would have put her in jail. They wouldn't have put her in a psych unit. And indeed, male jails are filled with crazy men who are criminals. And um, female jails are filled with highly traumatized women who have beyond PTSD. We, we're, we're running out of time, Dr. Phyllis. Um, but I, I want to ask you a question that we uh, love to ask our, we always ask our guest experts this. Um, at the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for what drove Valerie to uh, attempt to murder Andy Warhol. Who or what would that be? Andy Warhol, because he was a, a large, bright, shining star who was getting richer by the minute, who could do no wrong, who had followers who were just waiting to be used and discarded by him. And maybe Valerie didn't want to be anything like that. Maybe she wanted to be more like Warhol was. That's off the cuff of an answer. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we appreciate it, uh, Dr. Phyllis. Thank you so much for uh, shedding more light on, on the movement and what was going on at the time. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And that's it. That's it's just us two. Just the two of us. <laughs> we, we've been doing these little intimate gatherings here on The Alarmist recently. <laughs> that's right. Table for two. Mm. <laughs> Sparkling water, please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, incredible to have uh, Dr. Phyllis on the yes. show. Mm-hmm. Like a real someone who really was like on the ground fighting the fight. Like, it's really amazing to talk to people who like know and lived the history in a way that we are we can feel so far removed from it. Yes. You know, it, it's really good. You know, because someday we're going to be a Dr. Phyllis who lived through our time and then telling the next generation, like, this is what the fight was like, or this is what the experience was like. And um, let me like relay that experience to you. I just love talking to experts like that. I know. I, I hope I'm as well-spoken as Dr. Phyllis when it's my time. 
You're putting in, you're putting in the rehearsal now. You're going to be so good when your moment comes. Gather round, kids. Um, <laughs> By then, it won't like they won't be doing podcasts. It'll be like some. Weird I, I don't know. We'll be space interstellar. Or it, well, they'll be podcasting from the moon, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mars. Um, so many things that she said. I mean, I, 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 I when when she was talking about how. We won the struggle, not the victory. Just mm-hmm. the way, you know, ta- I think it's particularly uh, moving to talk about this right now, just uh, knowing what ha- what has been going on and, yeah. you know, living through what is happening and, you know, some- something she... She mentioned, you know, and, and, and I even said, you know, it feels so bleak, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she... The, the the I I'm fascinated by the fact that she thought and and many people thought that at it was only gonna be like maybe ten or twenty years until women just were just considered equal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and how everything was might might have been easy at the moment, you know. I I think maybe yeah. we have this different idea of of what that fight must have been like at the yeah. time. It seems like um. You know, the, the, there's a bit of a misconception, you know, even just hearing her talk about when you asked her what it was like in the sixties and she was like, Oh my God, it was just so visible. It was everywhere. It was so easy. We didn't have to really work that hard. Like the feminism was, and you would, you know, I think it seems like at least my experience being told about the feminist movement is like the fight was, it was really hard back then, but now it's better. And we're like, it's, it's good. So like, we don't have to work so hard. And it's interesting to hear her say like, oh, it was like now is so much worse because it's not being taught. You know, there's this lack of education around it. Um, and it's, you know, you would think that, oh, it's more popular today because the word feminism is maybe not so. Right. There's not so much stigma around it. And to your point, yes, like the fact that, you know, Roe v. Wade was just overturned, for example, and like the baton, as Dr. Phillips was saying, is being past and that's what bonds the generations um i don't know i guess it's just like a call to action i guess it never ends yeah i I, i'm i i'm honestly a little um not shook is not the right word but um maybe uh realizing this as we're talking about it um when she was speaking about how they were rock stars and how if they if women wrote something it would be front page news Mm. um it makes me realize that maybe we've been taught otherwise so that we kind of internalize that has to be hard, you know, mm. because it seemed like it was easy at the time. So why does it have to be so hard now? It seemed like at, at the moment that everyone was open to it and it was the, 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 the way of the future. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely seems to me some kind of complacency, I guess. I mean, Com- like you think, complacency or fear, actually. Right. Like, you get these rights, and you think like, oh, you know, it's just like you know, the civil rights movement and, and racism. It's like, oh, we that's over now. That happened. So now it's all good. Everyone's equal. It's like no, the clearly the fight goes on, and it's become much more nuanced, and we've hid the racism and you know laws and ways. So it's like, in what way is that happening? Um, in the feminist movement, you know, like in what way have we taken for granted 
Mm, the right I see that what you we mean. Are fighting for, or that we have to continue pushing for, or you know. And I thought it was really interesting. She said, "Now it's, there are new woes," and I, I immediately thought of you know the internet, like the mm. the way that that has transformed our our society, and how there's new ways to traffic people, you know, to take advantage of people, to expose, or you know, just like all this stuff that like things are moving so quickly like these the the movements for civil rights you know just like generally have to evolve with the technology right it's like we just can't read that fast like you you just (laughs) you and i can't the young kids can't i can't (laughs) i have to like read a few chapters process make myself a sandwich <laughs> go back right. to reading <laughs> the 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 turtle wins the way, wins the race right take oh, your time so many things uh that she said that we could talk about for days she she mentioned the double standards for women who act i thought that was really important to remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She also mentioned that for Valerie, it was about her and it wasn't about the cause, you know? And and I think that we, that that's important to remember. She was referring to this in terms of um, perhaps uh, Valerie's mental illness, which we didn't want to diagnose, but the, we, we know that there, there might've been something there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it was about her, not the cause. I mean, she acted violence and, and, and and then she said, uh, Dr. Phyllis said she acted with violence, not with words. And she was so good with words. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like she was out of her element. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I thought it's so, it, you know, interesting too. this idea that um, for her to take that actual, the action of that, like the impact that that has, because it was so uncommon. And as she, I think she's, Dr. Phyllis put it, she, they were punching up, you know, she's, she's shooting this big, bright, shiny male star that is so well known, like what a, um, what an act. I mean, it really speaks loudly, right. uh, but it's but interesting that she was doing it because she personally felt wrong. It wasn't like, you know, yeah. I am going to represent a movement. I mean, that those may be the reasons why she was doing it, but she, it, it seems, you know, this is, I guess, a little bit of, is it speculation? I don't know, but the idea that she wasn't like holding a flag while she did this. She was trying to right a personal wrong. Yeah. It was more personal. It wasn't, it was, I don't think it was about the movement. It was Mm -hmm. more, and how desperate she must've felt that she felt like she needed to take this form of violent action Mm -hmm. um, versus Mm -hmm. again, how Dr. Phyllis put it, you know, against using her words, which were really her, her forte. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, to me, it speaks to her desperation uh, and frustration at the time. So shall we revisit what we decided on in our initial episode? Now, can you remind us what we ended up sending to the Alarmist Jail? Sure, sure. So um, we put the erasure of women by the patriarchy in the Alarmist Jail for this episode. <laughs> and we gave a big slap to untreated mental illness. Mm. Now, and I can think... Uh, I'm thinking straight off the bat, just based on our conversation with Dr. Phyllis, that uh, maybe we reword the big slap and uh, include not just untreated, but misdiagnosed. Misdiagnosed, yeah. You know? Um, And I'm also wondering, the erasure of women, I mean, I guess, 
I, I wonder if there's a more specific way of, of, of saying that, because if you think about the context at the time, based on what Dr. Phyllis was saying, you know, mm-hmm. they, they were finally being given a voice um, and they were finally being listened to for the first time, which m- must have been exhilarating. But I guess what we're, what we were touching on was the erasure of women in the past, right? The fact mm-hmm. that we even had to get to this point where right. it's, we've come to 1960. It's the 1960s and all of a sudden women are finally being considered well, I do. I beings. mean, sure. I, 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 there's maybe there's something to be said about. Um, I don't know. It's like it, it seemed like her erasure, Valerie Solanas specifically, um, what was so specifically tied to these two men who kind of robbed her of her artistry or her mm-hmm. voice, really. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean. That is a little bit more broad, I guess, the erasure of women by the patriarchy. But <laughs> if we want, we could get more specific and say that it was really like the erasure of her voice by Andy Warhol. And I think it was Maurice. Uh, well, I can't. Oh, the um, the uh, publisher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or not. We could keep it as is. Yeah. Her suppression. I guess let's keep it as is. OK. But I, I, I I'm not content with it. Sure. <laughs> I Maybe think we can do yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree that we need to reword the the big slap and 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 I'll I'll just go ahead and call that. Okay. Untreated and misdiagnosed mental illness, you're getting the big slap. And as far as jail, it's a work in progress. Dr. Phyllis, I understand, you know, her her response just off the cuff was Andy Warhol. And I think what she was meaning was just the idea of him, right? Mm-hmm, Which was a, mm-hmm. a, a broader issue. I, I kind of liked the, it was interesting to hear, her, I mean, just her off the cuff, and she said he was this large, shiny star that was getting richer by the minute and was kind of using and discarding artists in that yeah. endeavor. You know. Um, okay, we'll think about it and write in and let us know uh, if anyone out there has any ideas of how we can fine tune this. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned because next week we are going to be discussing the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Erios. Powered by ACAST. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.